I think that the way to find the purpose in your pain or in your life experiences, whatever they are, is to create it. I think that we have so much more power than we realize. And I think a lot of us feel disempowered and we don't need to. The reality is that you are creating your life and you are in charge and you are in control. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss. I almost started off this week's podcast by saying it's gonna be May (laughs) because obviously I've been seeing all of these memes about like May would be the time that we can leave our homes and emerge out of self-quarantine and right now it is May 5th. Um, So it's gonna be May. It's it's May. Uh, It's a new month. I'm excited and I'm excited. (laughs) So I can't guys. I'm like laughing at myself. This is so funny. I'm keeping it. Um, I'm so excited to share with you guys on the podcast this week is Katie DePaula. She's the founder and CEO of Inner Glow Circle, a company that trains female entrepreneurs, leaders, and coaches who really aspire to transform their own life and the lives of others by becoming a life coach. At Inner Glow Circle, they work with women who want to work for themselves, but not by themselves as an entrepreneur. They train clients to become an accredited life coach through the International Coach Federation, and they help them create a sustainable business that they'll love through group training programs and masterminds. Katie's story is really one of tremendous resilience and self-trust. She lost her brother to an accidental overdose. She's a Lyme disease survivor, and she built her business from her bathtub, growing the company from self-funded startup to million-dollar business. You are going to love this week's episode and our conversation. We chat all about Katie's journey with Lyme disease how she managed the anxiety, self-doubt, and frustration that came with really years of being misdiagnosed and why we need to believe and trust in our own healing. We talk about how building Inner Glow Circle really saved her life, finding purpose in our pain and life experiences, and the power of taking inspired action. Plus, we talk about shifting the conversation around invisible illness, the powerful moment outside of her parents' house that changed her life forever, why we really need to ignite our own fire and light our own flame, and so much more. Before we dive in to this week's really fun and inspiring conversation with Katie, I wanted to take a second and just thank you guys so much for joining me over the last month in supporting our healthcare workers who are on the front line right now fighting against COVID-19. There's obviously been a really critical shortage of personal protective equipment, and it's been my hope to help raise money and donate money to support our healthcare workers who are on the front lines. And so I launched in late March, early April, our Seek the Joy enamel pin. And this pin, in my opinion, is the perfect way to spread a little joy, remind yourself that brighter times are ahead, and support our healthcare workers on the front lines. With every pinned purchase, it includes a donation to getusppe.org. I'll include the link to both the pin and also the organization in the show notes for this week's episode. Um, I'm really hoping to continue to support our healthcare workers and we'll do this for as long as we need to. So thank you guys so much again for joining me in doing this. 
All right, guys, that's it. I am so excited to hear what you think about this week's inspiring conversation with Katie. So make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. If you're looking for a way to support the show, make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. When you do, take a screenshot of that review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I'll send you some goodies to say thank you. It's also a really awesome way for us to connect outside of the podcast. And I'm just so grateful to have this show right now, especially in such um, unsettling times. It's been such a wonderful way to ground and to continue to connect and give back. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you for listening. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie. love to talk to you about your journey with your business and and your health and did you find that both of them sort of evolved together as as you evolved in some ways yes and in others no I mean my journey was really like god the early years were just so all over the place and so challenging and filled with so many distractions and you know just so much stuff and starting a business is one thing but what happened for me, just so our, our listeners who don't know me yet can understand my story is that I graduated from college. I went to a great school. I went to Vanderbilt and I, I left, I moved right to New York city. I got an internship working in fashion PR and then another internship that turned into a job. And then I had another job and, you know, I was, I was in consulting and marketing and advertising. I was touching a lot of different things and I was learning a lot really quickly. And I was in my early twenties. So it was kind of my prime time to be running around New York city and trying to figure out my life. But I got to that point that a lot of people get to where I was just like, is this all there is? Like, Mm -hmm. I felt really disconnected from my purpose. I felt really sort of depressed, you know, just like not connected to anything and really unsure of what I wanted in my life. And I, I started to feel really down about that. And so I went through a series of sort of, you know, big conversations with myself and my family and people close to me. And I decided to move home. And when I moved home, which I grew up in the DC area, but when I moved home, I made a couple big moves. I I mean, of course I sat and like twiddled my thumbs and tried to figure it Hmm. out for a while and was like, you know, up late on Google, like, what am I meant to be doing with my life? What's my purpose? Why am I here? Like Mm -hmm. I was just asking all of those existential questions. And what I decided was that the thing that I loved the most at the time was health. Like, and that was in large part because of my struggle with my health. And I didn't know it then, but I had Lyme disease. And at that point I had had Lyme disease for like I guess almost seven years and it would be still a little while until I even got diagnosed and then started treatment. I didn't know what was wrong with me, but I knew that I didn't feel good a Mm -hmm. lot of the time. And I knew that certain things like cleaning up my diet and, you know, doing acupuncture and understanding more like Eastern medicine versus just Western medicine. I knew that a lot of that stuff was helping me. So I decided to get my master's in nutrition And at the same time, I started my first business, which was an organic spray tanning business. And that's sort of where like the entrepreneurial part of my life Mm. kicked off. That's really cool. I think it's so interesting how 
so many times our experiences fuel our passion and we often create the most impactful experiences or businesses from direct experience, from what we've experienced either with our health or with relationships. And so it's amazing to see how your own journey with your health really informed your passion and and going into wellness and and coaching. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I agree with you. And I think that a lot of times, you know, we create from pain too. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we like want to use our pain to do something purposeful. And for me, that was the case very much so. And I think that's the case for so many of us. And so I ended up starting this spray tanning business, starting grad school. Grad school was really hard for me. Like I just had a hard time with all of the information and the way it was being delivered. And I didn't know it again, but I was dealing with a lot of brain fog from my Lyme. And so like literally my brain just wasn't working Mm -hmm. the way that it normally would have been. And eventually when I got diagnosed, they like looked at my brain and they said I had temporary brain damage that they thought was going to be reversible. But, you know, I, so I didn't know all of this stuff. And I think that's important to mention because a lot of people that, are searching for what's next in their lives or searching for their purpose, or they just feel disconnected or disenchanted with the way that things have been in their lives. Like, you know, that's not the only thing going on. A lot of times we have life stuff or health stuff going on too, or money stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have these stories that we can't do what we want to do with our lives, or we can't go for our real dreams because we have bills or because we have health limitations or because you know, whatever the case might be, you know, I think it's really important just to remember that there's always a different way and there's always an opportunity for a shift in perspective. And so I ended up dropping out of grad school and spray tanning opened a couple other doors just through that experience. And I always tell our students, like, you know, you just have to do something. Like sometimes you just have to take like one inspired action and that'll lead you to the next thing. And I started a spray tanning company because when I was in New York, there was this girl that I found on Yelp, like online that I went and got spray tans from her. And I was like, I wonder if I could do that. Hmm. You know, like, I wonder if I could do that and make money because she was charging me like 50 or 60 bucks for a tan. And it would take like 15 minutes. And I'm like, that's not bad money, 60 bucks (laughs) in 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. So I'm thinking at like 24 years old or however old I was in my early twenties, like, wow, maybe that's a great option for me. And so I decided to invest in a machine and product and I started this little business and it grew, you know, and I ended up making back everything I invested and more. But beyond that, what happened was I started to really get exposure to women in a different way. And Mm. so obviously with spray tanning, like you're working mostly with women. There were some guys that I I had (laughs) as clients, but it's like 95% women. And so They started really opening up to me and I'm sure you've heard this before, Sydney, but you know, people say like hairstylists have all the secrets in the world. Oh yeah, totally. And so I was like, oh my God, I think spray tanners have even more, right? And (laughs) because like you're stripping down naked and I don't know if you've ever gotten like an airbrush spray tan where like you're getting totally naked. They're like going into all the cracks and crevices and, but that was what I was doing. Like I was the person doing the spray tans and you know, I, I noticed that people just had so much negative stuff to say about their bodies. They were so down on themselves and hard on themselves. And I started to really realize that there was this massive connection between 
outer beauty and inner beauty and particularly like just this deeper conversation about how we feel about ourselves. Mm. And so that's where I started to really dive in and dig in and get curious. And that's what eventually led me to becoming a life coach. That's really awesome. And I think what's so interesting, what you shared about spray tanning is talk about such an intimate and vulnerable experience. And so it must've been really fascinating for you. And I find this with the podcast and I'm sure you still find this with your coaching today. What is revealed in those moments of vulnerability is either something super positive and your goals and your dreams. And, and the other end of it could be your deepest fears or what you shared, how people would talk about the negative aspects of their body or what they didn't like. So it's interesting what's revealed really in those intimate, vulnerable spaces. Right. Totally. I would love to talk a little bit about what you touched on in terms of having an opportunity for a shift in perspective, because I think mindset is something that we talk often about, but there's an aspect of mindset I don't think we talk enough about, which is sort of this in-between phase of you're trying to figure out either your next move or your purpose in life or what built your business is going to look like or what school you're going to go to or what you're going to do with your health. And you have this goal or this dream, but you're not totally sure how to get there or you doubt yourself. And I don't think we talk enough about those moments sort of in between of doubt and fear where you really have to turn the light on for your yourself, where you really have to have that shift in perspective. When you were dealing with all this with your health and your journey with Lyme and your businesses, how were you able to, to the best that you could, either stay in a positive mindset or continue to kind of, I guess, turn that switch back on for yourself? You know what I mean? Where you have to Mm -hmm. constantly like put yourself back in that positive space when you find yourself sort of going the other way. I think the key is that self-doubt is really powerful and it can be really like crippling and debilitating, but it's not really real Mm -hmm. and we can't like listen to it. Like we can't give it a lot of authority. We just have to understand it's like this thing that tries to be really loud and we get to either believe it or not believe it. You know, a lot of us have been through a lot of stuff in our lives. Like I've had a lot of trauma happen. You know, I didn't, I haven't even like finished the story, but what happened was like, I became a coach. I did my private practice for a couple years and continued to grow it. I started hosting these monthly women's circles. Those really started to grow. What started as having like six people in my living room became 40, you know, wow. and I, I was just leading these bigger and bigger groups of women And they were signing up with me for coaching. They were referring their friends. They were bringing people to the events. And eventually so many people asked me if we had events in other cities because they had friends that needed help and needed community. And I kept having to say no. And eventually I was like, I think I need to take this online so that we can reach more people. And that's how Inner Glow Circle was born. And so, you know, IGC has been this amazing, like, melting pot and this huge growth opportunity for me as a leader and for us as a business. And we have a big team now. We have 20 women on our team. And, you know, it's it's growing all the time. But what happened was after I started the business, I found out my brother passed away from an overdose, which was like completely life shattering Mm -hmm. earth. Like it was exactly 100 days after we started the company. And it like put me into this crazy weird place because I was just like, wait, I just started this thing. We were gaining some early traction, gaining some early success. 
And then I get the wind knocked out of me in a way that it's just like indescribable unless you've kind of, you know, been through something like that. And, and for everybody, it's so different. And so like that really like just kind of knocked me out. Luckily I had surrounded myself with a lot of great people and luckily I had found my purpose prior to. So even though it happened really early on in my current business, I had years of building the groundwork. I'd like to do work that I loved and do work that felt really purposeful. But when all this stuff starts to happen, so I eventually got diagnosed with Lyme disease. That was in 2014, early 2015. We start the business. A couple of months later in 2015, my brother passed away. And then I was going through this really bad breakup too. And so there just was like so much going so on. Much. And obviously yeah. the worst of all of them was, you know, dealing with the loss of my brother and like just the the impact that something like that has on your brain, you know, the brain can't really make sense of traumatic situations. So then nothing makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I was really struggling with that. And as you know, like starting a business and, and growing, you know, your business and your podcast and your Instagram and your this, like there's so many Mm -hmm. things. And so I'm trying to do that and manage all of that. And then I get hit like, okay, Lyme, you know, whoosh, my brother, like whoosh, like then this breakup. And I had been involved. Um, my ex who I was engaged, to was involved in my business and it got really bad. There was like restraining orders and I had to go to domestic violence counseling, like, because the relationship had become really abusive and I was really sick. You know, I was sick from Lyme and then like my mental health was down the drain because of losing my brother and the Lyme. And, and here I find myself in a really, unhealthy relationship and things are happening so fast and I'm trying to stay afloat. So I don't even fully understand what's happening around me and what's happening within me. And so, you know, for me, like I just, I had to go on this massive journey of healing and you you asked this question about self-doubt and I was doubting myself all the time. I was doubting myself, doubting my decision to start this business. I was doubting my purpose. Mm -hmm. I was like, literally I was doubting like am I supposed to be here on this planet? Like I was really struggling with like, what the F is going on? Cause it just felt so crazy and so chaotic. And, you know, in our world, people are very spiritual and I'm very spiritual, but like people will ask for signs and they're like, you know, like God or universe, like show me a sign. Like, am I supposed to do this? Or am I supposed to do that? Or am I supposed to leave my job? Or am I supposed to start a business? And like, there's this part of me that was like, are these all signs that I'm like really going down the wrong path? So the thing that it did for me though, is like, I had to constantly tap in and say like, do I actually want this? Do I actually want this? Do I think I'm on the right path? And I sort of like, people always ask me like, how did you survive? How did you keep going? And what, one of the reasons I always give is like, I'm like quite stubborn, you know, and I, I was stubborn and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think being stubborn actually served me in a lot of ways because if I had just taken all of that stuff as signs that I wasn't supposed to be doing this work, I wouldn't be doing this work. And to be completely honest with you, Sydney, like it was the thing that kept Mm -hmm. me going. Like my business was the thing that kept me alive and well, as well as I could be, because I had something to wake up for every day. So the lesson in that is really like, as soon as you can find your purpose, as much as you can do your purpose. 
and let it lead you and guide you and know that the self doubt is like really, really, really normal. It's just part of it, but it's something you have to just basically have a response to, you know, like when your mind and it's just your mind is playing tricks on you and saying, are you really supposed to be doing this? What if you're not good enough? There's so many people that are better than you. There's so many people that are farther along. You're way too old. You're way too young. It's like all the things Mm -hmm. just have to kind of tell us to screw off. Yeah, you do. And I think, I think that's the key because I think no matter what obstacle we face, and you certainly faced a lot and a lot at once. And I think that you, what you said is so beautiful and so spot on. The key is just to say like, screw off, I'm going to keep going. And I think that stubbornness and that work ethic and that ability, just like you shared to pour yourself into what you're passionate about and pour yourself into what was bringing you that feeling and that knowing of purpose, your business really saved your life. And I think, I think it's a really powerful message for so many who might be where you were and are questioning, you know, should I be doing? this thing. It's like, yeah, keep going. Yeah. I 100% agree. I think too, what's so interesting, I think about this component of self-doubt is, and I don't know if this rings true for you, but I have found that when I am doubting myself or doubting my path or what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not in that space of kind of being okay with where I am in the moment or being even grateful for where I am in the moment. I, I fall back into that. Maybe it's not like a straight up victim mentality, but it's kind of like, ugh, like what the hell am I doing? Do you know what I mean? Or like, why is this yeah. happening to me? Were you able to like over time move more into that space of like maybe a gratitude mindset or even now where you are today, able to see the purpose and the role that all of, all of this has played in your journey? I think that that's a great question. I think that the way to find the purpose in your pain or in your life experiences, whatever they are, is to create it. Mm -hmm. I think that we have so much more power than we realize. And I think a lot of us feel disempowered and we don't need to like the reality is that you are creating your life and you are in charge and you are in control. And, you know, I didn't create the hard things that happened to me. I didn't like make myself get bit by a tick. I certainly wasn't like, didn't make my family lose a child. Like, you know, these are like huge tragedies Mm -hmm. and Although I was, you know, was in a relationship that was really unhealthy, the older I get and the more I look back and understand, like I was being manipulated, you know, and I was really vulnerable because I had all these other things going on. And I hear a lot of stories of women who have had like abusive situations with their bosses or with partners or even, you know, husbands and like, you know, or like life partners that they're, they're married to or dating long-term. And I think like you have to be aware of what's going on. As soon as you figure out like what's going on, you have to really take responsibility and say, okay, I didn't create this situation. Like I'm not going to blame myself or shame myself, but I get to create a solution. I didn't create the hard things that happened to me, but I did get to decide what I was going to do with them. And I think that that's where it becomes really empowering. If you let Mm -hmm. it, like if you say, you know, I grew up this way or my, like I had an abusive parent or, you know, I have a child who's sick. I mean, there's just like so many things that can go wrong in life and so many things that do go wrong. And there's so many people that have like circumstances that like, 
like aren't setting them up for success or aren't like, you know, throttling them forward. But if you shift your mindset, it's also kind of like, okay, well, like, what if this is the thing that's like actually can become part of my story? And what if this is the thing that would actually make me a lot more relatable to people? This is sort of a weird story, but I, I tell it sometimes. And there were like, there was one day where I was like, I was finally going through Lyme treatment with like a doctor who said he could get rid of my Lyme, which I hadn't heard. I had met with like 30 doctors and everyone said it would never go Mm. away. But I found one doctor who was like, no, I actually have a plan. And I was going through treatment and it was like a couple of years losing bow. And I was at my parents' house and I remember my dad, I was like in my high school bedroom and I was like sitting on the bed. My dad was like sitting on the floor, like, I don't know, checking email or like playing on his phone or something. And we were just like talking. My dad and I are really close. And my dad said, well, just so you know, Katie, I left the curse. And I was like, what curse? <laughs> he's like, I lifted the curse on you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And my family's like very sarcastic yeah, and my dad's like yeah. Italian and we're very silly and direct with each other. So he's just being silly. And I'm like, what, cur- what are you talking about dad? Like what the hell? And he's like, well, here's the thing. You went to Vanderbilt. You were like this pretty privileged white girl. He's like, to be honest, before all this shit went crazy in your life, you weren't that interesting. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I cannot believe like, this. Thanks dad. And this is my father. Thanks, dad. <laughs> my father who like saw me struggle for years and years and my father who lost a child. And you know, that is like extremely difficult. My parents are really warriors and they started a foundation in my brother's name. And they do a lot of work with like the, the hospital in our city and like, you know, they do a lot of mental health advocacy work now, but this is my dad who like also lost Mm -hmm. a child. And so he's like, you know, you just were so like, you weren't that interesting. And I'm like, okay, like, please say more. Like, where where are you going with this? Yeah. And he's like, Katie, now, like you've like battled Lyme disease. You've gone through three different treatments. Like you're on your way to recovery. Like you lost your brother. You've like battled through that. You went through this like terrible, like really messed up breakup. And I know, cause I was like at, at court testifying against him. Oh like God, yeah. he's like, now you're interesting. <laughs> he's like, now you're interesting, Katie. And he's like, now when you write a book, like people will want to read it before, like no chance. And it's so funny because like, I, I also had a friend years ago who was a stand up comedian. And like, she, I remember her saying, I was complaining one day about like my Lyme and the treatment and how much pain mm-hmm. I was in. And she was like, Katie, stop complaining. And I was like, why? And she's like, because just like use it just like use Lyme as like the thing that's in your life that you have to battle with that you're overcoming, like just use it. It makes you more relatable. And it was just this interesting theme that I was hearing from different people in my life who I respected of like, stop complaining and just start using this as a platform, like use it. Like if you see it as a gift, maybe it will become Mm -hmm. a gift. And it's really, really hard to look at someone who's lost a child or a sibling or a parent or anybody or who's lost a job opportunity or a house or anything, right? Or someone who's like new starting their business and really struggle. Like it's really hard to look at someone who's Mm -hmm. struggling and say like, find the opportunity. Like you almost sound delusional, right? Most people don't want to hear that in the moment, right? No. And I certainly didn't when I was in the moment, like it would kind of trigger me, but 
they also weren't denying my experience or what I was going through. They were just telling me to look beyond it. And I really felt like that was divine intervention. And, you know, I think I grew up with a lot of tough love and I I think that tough love is not always the answer and that, you know, we need both gentleness and maybe more fierceness, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and all that. But for me, Sydney, like having that that challenge in my life of like, can you see the hard things as good things? Can you let them be opportunities? What if Bo's purpose was to be alive for 20 years? And what if he was in our family? Cause he knew that we would, we would continue to live out his purpose. I mean, Bo really struggled when he was here on earth and when he was alive, now he has this like massive legacy. So like, one day I had this really radical thought that was just sort of like, all I've been walking around saying for years and years now is my brother's dead. My brother's dead. My brother's dead. How will I ever be happy Mm -hmm. again? What if it's not just like, okay, my brother's dead and I'm going to be happy. But what if it's like, Bo's not dead. Like he's not even dead. Stop acting like that. He's more alive than he ever has been. Like he's actually, this makes me feel emotional, but he's actually living his purpose Mm -hmm. because our family's letting him and we're fueling that. And it's just like, it's this really high level, responsible, again, slightly delusional way of looking at life and saying like, you know what, I'm going to take this horrible thing and I'm going to create something great from it because I have to, because this is what I have to do to survive Mm -hmm. because this is how I'm going to live out my brother's legacy. This is what I believe that he would want, you know? And I was walking around like moping around so victimized by everything that had happened. And I had a right to be victimized. And for those of you who are listening and feel this, like, well, my shit's more messed up or I'm going through something worse. You probably are. And when you get tired of being in so much pain, when you get bored with your own sadness, which is what happened to me, just know that you get to recreate it and that there's a lot of possibility there. You get to recreate it. That That's extremely powerful and, and so true. And I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that story with your dad. And it's so fascinating because when you look at obstacles and challenges in your life and you, like you shared, you're able to look beyond it and use it and turn it into like the biggest blessing and the biggest opportunity, I think it allows you to heal in a different way. So I think what you shared about your brother is not delusional at all. I actually think it makes <laughs> a lot of sense because he's still very much alive in his presence and in his spirit and what you and your family are doing. And I think if we can do that more, if we can use these really tragic and traumatic experiences and Mm -hmm. as opportunities to really just create. And when you create from that space of honoring and creating from that space of healing, it has a different impact. Have you found that for yourself too? I think it has like a different feeling for yourself associated with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it shifts everything when you stop feeling like, why was all of this done to me? And you start saying, well, what can I do with mm-hmm. all of this? Yeah. You know, like I felt so guilty because I was like privileged, had a great education, had a lot of great work experience, had lived in New York City, was living in DC. Like I was not healthy. Like when people are like, I'm so grateful, like at least I have my health. Like yeah. I couldn't say that, but I also like did have my, a lot of my health. I could still function a lot better than a lot of people. And because I had been so into my health, 
I think like eventually I lost, like I lost feeling in half of my body. I started to get paralysis and it went from my feet up to my face. And that was when I realized, okay, this is really Mm -hmm. bad. And everyone around me who was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Not because they were trying to be jerks, but because like, I usually looked okay. Like I looked good. I didn't look sick. And so eventually when I lost feeling in half my body and like, I was just dropping things. I was, we were at dinner one night and I dropped like a, not meaning to dropped a a boiling hot cup of tea on myself. Cause I just, my hand went limp. Like I couldn't hold Mm. it. And that's when people were like, Oh wait, like maybe you're actually not feeling okay. And so, you know, I wasn't well the way that I wanted to be, but I was still, you know, I I was maintaining my health in a greater capacity than a lot of people. And there's something that, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, Mm -hmm. there's something that he says that's like, if one person has had your circumstance and has risen above it, then you now have evidence that it's possible to rise above your circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. And I knew, I, I thought about that all the time. Like I hadn't even, I just heard him say that like a few months ago, but I was thinking that way, like other people have beat the odds. Why can't I? But it was my mindset that had to be like continually going back to that place and saying, I'm going to beat the odds. I'm going to beat the odds. I'm going to. And I sort of had to feed myself that affirmation again and again and again, till I started to collect and attract more evidence that healing was actually possible. This is such an interesting point. And and I love what you shared that there were so many people who just didn't believe you because Lyme is an invisible illness more often than not. And I know there are so many people that listen to this podcast who do have chronic illness and whether that be Lyme or autoimmune. And I think Mm -hmm. hearing you and sharing your experience is so important and so powerful because how you look on the outside is not actually how you feel on the inside. And I think if we can have more compassion and respect and understanding around Lyme or chronic illness in general, I think it would really shift the conversation about what we, about how we view other people and how we view sickness. So I'm I'm really grateful that you're sharing all of this and sharing your experience. Mm -hmm. We need to bring like more understanding that just because you can't see the illness on my face or on my body does not mean that I don't have it. Totally. I would love if you're open to it, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about what Lyme disease actually is, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around Lyme, and that goes back to the fact Mm -hmm. that often you can't see it. So if you're open to it, I, I would love it if you would talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So Lyme disease is caused by, it's a bacterial disease, and it comes from a tick bite, and not every tick, you know, carries Mm -hmm. it, but there's also like different sort of like different strains of Lyme, like they call them co-infections that cause all different kinds of symptoms. And the symptoms that are the most common, which I had pretty much all of them are, you know, numbness because it can cause a lot of nerve damage, brain fog, headaches. You can just kind of feel sick all over, which people say, you know, a lot of times you can just get diagnosed as having a cold. Mm. And then as it gets more and more serious, it can get worse and worse where it's really messing with your cognitive function. And if it crosses into your blood, then that's where it can really start to take a toll on your other organs. And 
I think the best way to describe the impact of it is it just, it's just like this really powerful bacteria that slows everything down. So I just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel good. And that was like, what was really confusing for everyone around me was they were like, what do you mean you don't feel good? Cause usually it's like, oh, I have a stomach ache or, oh, I have a headache or, oh, I'm having yeah. sinus issues or, you know, we usually know more what we're feeling. I just didn't feel right. I, and I had all these like little symptoms, but it wasn't and, until it got to the point where I was losing feeling in, you know, half of my body, it wasn't super clear. And I started to feel like, am I making this up? I had a lot of joint pain. So like I would be typing you know, or texting on my phone and my hands would start to be like, it would, they would start to hurt so much. And I would just have these burning sensations in my hands. So it's like, do I have arthritis? Like, you know, what is it? And it can also present sort of as like a lot of different autoimmune diseases. It really gets misdiagnosed a lot. And more than anything, people just thought I had anxiety and depression, which I did, but you know, a lot of that was because I was dealing with this invisible Mm -hmm. illness and felt so invisible. And that was really taxing to my system and really to like my mental health. When you don't know what's wrong, it's really hard. It is. And you're constantly going to different doctors and trying to figure out what's going on. And then I think you had mentioned this earlier, but you had lived with chronic Lyme for over a decade. So you spent a lot of time being misdiagnosed. Totally. What was that like for you? I mean, did you just like want to like hit your head against the wall at one point? Were you just like, this is ridiculous. Like what is going on? I mean, it got to the point, like it got so bad that, well, during the time that I, I hadn't been diagnosed, I I just felt really frustrated and maybe angry and confused. And, you know, we talk about self-doubt, like I was really doubting myself because nobody could figure out what was wrong with me, all the tests. And, you know, in hindsight, now I understand nobody ever tested me for Lyme disease because once I got tested, I was positive, but like the tests that the doctors were running, which were probably just like general Mm -hmm. tests. And then I, I remember I saw a couple naturopaths and you know, they were running their panels, like just nobody thought to test me for Lyme. And again, this was like years and years ago. So I think Lyme is a lot more mainstream and the doctors are better educated Mm -hmm. about it. But for me, it was just really frustrating. You know, I I think though also, Sydney, like it built this tolerance and this resilience within me because if someone says no to me in a business conversation, I'm like, I'm not really taken out by that Mm -hmm. because so many people told me like, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And I knew I wasn't fine. So if someone says like, it's not a good idea, it's not a good idea, but I know it's a good idea. Now, like everything else is so much easier because people were doubting such a big thing. And in the end, I felt quite validated. Like, screw you guys. I was right the Mm -hmm. whole time. You knew. Like you had to keep going and trusting yourself. And and again, it goes back to that stubbornness of being like, no, I'm not going to give up. Like I'm going to be resilient here. Like I'm going to trust that this is not – there's more to this. Right. And there were definitely days – resilience is a great word. There were definitely days where I was like, 
I'm just going to live and be sick and I'm going to work around it. And what will that look like? There were definitely days like that. And there were definitely days where I was like, even when I was in treatment, because with treatment, I got sick, sicker before I got better because as they kill off the line, like it really messes with your system. And there were times where I, it got so bad at one point when I was waiting, I was on the wait list to see this other doctor, the one who ended up curing me. It got so bad. I, I, my prayers were like, God, if I'm not meant to be here anymore, like just take me in my sleep. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Like I've been fighting this battle for over 10 years now. I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I don't understand why I'm being asked to live like this. Like, and there were a series of events that happened after that, that really kind of shook up my life. And I had a huge wake up call around, I guess the piece of me that was still playing small Mm -hmm. and still being a victim and I was sitting in my car one day at my outside my parents' house. I don't know why all these big moments happen <laughs> outside my parents at my parents' house, but um, isn't the family the root of everything? Uh, totally, yeah. So I'm sitting in my car at my parents' house, and I'm like, I've recently found out about this doctor who I was told might be able to cure me, and I had emailed to get on the wait list, and my mom had emailed on my behalf, and neither of us heard anything. And I was told that I might not, but I just was in this moment where I was like, okay, I believe in miracles. Like I have faith. Like, why am I not getting a miracle? Like I deserve a miracle. There miracles happen every day. Like what, you know, what's going on? Like I I've been dealing with this illness. Then I lose my brother. I go through this horrible relationship. I fight for ownership of my company. I win. I go through all this like domestic violence counseling and Oh my God. Like how much more am I going to be asked to go through? Like, I get it. I said, God made me strong. I get what's going on here, but like, I don't know if I can handle anymore, you know? And I was in tears and I was like talking out loud to God. And I was like, like, I know from being a coach that if there's something that's still happening in our lives, that's not what we desire. There's some part of us that's keeping it there. And I, I, I went that angle and I just said, God, look, I know, like, I know that I get to create my life, that I'm in charge and like that I play a role. And what am I missing? Like, why is this disease still in my life, in my body? What haven't I learned yet? And what I heard back was, and it was like, it wasn't like one of those like audible God voices where it's like, God's like shaking my car or something (laughs) like in a movie, but I heard, I heard it. Like, it was like, you know, I heard it in my mind. I heard it in my, in my energy space. And it was like, you haven't decided. Mm. And I, I was like, what? And I probably said it out loud. Like, wait, what? And it was like, you haven't decided yet. And I'm thinking like, decided what, you know? And I'm like, not even like, okay, God, just talk to me. I'm like trying to figure out like, what, what is he talking? Like, what haven't I decided? And it was like, you haven't decided you're going to stay here. And I was having this in and out conversation with God of like, look, if I'm not meant to be here, if my life is over, if all the things I thought I was meant to have in my life, the marriage, the kids, the speaking, the books, the you know, success and, and impact. And if all that shit's just like this, like vision, that's not really real. Like, it's okay. Like, just take me in my sleep. Like that was the conversation I was having with God. 
So there was this part of me that hadn't decided that I was going to have all of the stuff I said I was going to have. Like there was this part of me that was willing to like press, like eject, like, bye. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, Oh my God. You know, and having had a brother who had just left the earth and you know, my belief is that like, you know, it, like it was an accidental overdose and we know that, but I, I also believe that he was really struggling and that life became too hard. And I was like, okay, Bo left, but like, that's not my, like my mm-hmm. path. And I had to decide to stay here. And I had to decide that I was going to get better. And I had to decide that there was a version of the future where I was healthy and I was whole and I was traveling again. And I was doing all of the things that I foresaw myself doing. And so again, like you brought up like early on in our conversation, the the topic of self-doubt, I was still living with like, so I had this clear vision, but I also had so much doubt. And I think that's one of the hardest places to be. But I think so many of us go through it where it's like, I really see myself doing X. I see myself quitting my job. I see myself, you know, writing, I see myself speaking and impacting people. I see myself on the phone working with clients. I see myself having a podcast. I see myself whatever, all the things that we see for ourselves. And it's a little bit different for everybody, but you have a vision for yourself and your life. And that's not because you made it up. It's because you're like tapping into this version of the future. Now, is there also another version of the future where like none of that happens because you let yourself get too disempowered? That's how I think Mm -hmm. it works. You know, there's still a version of my future where like some of the things that I see for myself that I desire wouldn't happen, but I am going to have to choose that. So I can either choose to fulfill on all of my desires and choose to fulfill on what I think is my destiny, or I can choose to say, you know what? It didn't happen. I didn't have time for it. I couldn't figure it out. Like, but once you decide and you say, you know what? I'm going to be here. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to get married. I'm going to make a difference with my life. I'm going to write books. Like I'm yeah, going to, you have to make the choice and, and just n- no matter what it's about, you just have to make the choice and go all in. And I think what you shared is such a powerful experience and story. And it's so applicable to every aspect of our lives because you have to decide what you're going to do. And often that decision starts with removing the self-doubt and just trusting yourself and trusting, I think that you're going to land, you know, where you're supposed to be. Yeah. But of course, you know, that's totally a journey too. Yeah. Do you have a, like a go-to quote or mantra or affirmation, something that you hold on to either today or, or just has helped you in general, uh, throughout, throughout your journey? Oh my God. There's this quote and it's like, it's not even like by a person. It's like an anonymous quote. And it's like, it's like, she saw the light at the end of the tunnel and she lit that bitch herself Hmm. or something like that. But I I saw that at one time when I was really struggling, you know, as we do when we like open Instagram and it, and it actually inspires us and gives us what we need instead of like dragging us in the other direction. But, you know, for me, like getting angry was more empowering than feeling like a victim. And so when I started to get angry and say like, no, I'm not okay with this. Like, this is not okay. You know, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Like, this is not how I'm going to live. 
uh, that actually was more empowering. And so that quote that like she saw the light of the, at the end of the tunnel and she lit that bitch herself. I don't know. It was empowering for me. Cause I was like, I get to create the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you do. That's my job. And, and I realized I had been waiting for all these other people, including God to like open it up for me. And I hadn't really decided I was 100% going to do it for myself. It was sort of like, if you do it for me, then I'll do it for me. And it needed to be the other way around where it was like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this. And then everything else is going to conspire to meet me. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, it's been our theme throughout this entire conversation that there are obstacles and challenges, but it's your job. It's your choice to use them as an opportunity to fuel you. And so you light up your light at the end of the tunnel. I I love that. I think that's, I think that's perfect and totally encapsulates our conversation. Katie, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I'm really inspired by your journey and your story of really, I think, resilience and self-trust and and growing your passion. Um, I think you said earlier, we can really create so much from pain, but it's really beautiful how much we can create and turn that pain into um, opportunities for growth and connection and community. So where can everyone find you, find Inner Glow Circle, connect and, and learn more? You can find me at innerglowcircle.com. And we have something really cool. If you've liked this conversation, you're interested in understanding more about your purpose and what you're meant to do with your life. We have an assessment called the find your purpose assessment, and you can get it at innerglowcircle.com slash purpose. And then on Instagram, I'm at it's Katie DePaula and we are at inner glow circle. So come follow us. Perfect. I'll include everything in the show notes. It'll be super easy for everyone to find you. And just thank you so much again. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you.